how quickly can you chop a pint? Look, I always say to, to new lads for rugby is find a position in the in a club and make yourself the best at it, and that usually is a position that I'm best at. So yeah, for you guys. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back to Much Do About Rugby, your weekly podcast where we chat about everything rugby. Today we've got another great episode of Rugby Around the World. We're going to be talking to our guest Tom. He's going to tell us a bit about Chinese rugby, Hong Kong rugby, uh, tell us some great rugby touring stories as well. So it should be a good laugh. So if you enjoy, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. Um, It really helps us out and you'll never miss an episode. So yeah, let's get into it. Welcome, Tom. It's a pleasure to have you on. Tom is uh, currently living in Hong Kong. He's also had experience playing in Shanghai and all around China for three years previously, and also in the top division of German rugby. If you want to see more of Tom's rugby experiences, maybe in a bit more detail, he does have a YouTube channel. It's called Don't Tell Tiffany. So I'm pretty sure you got about 5k views on some of your videos, which is... Uh... Yeah, but I cheated a little bit. I, I did. I tried a little bit of advertising. See how it goes. It's a travel video which masquerades with the, the occasional rugby here and there, but um, <laughs> it might be yeah. But you've got to be very careful what you're filming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can imagine on, on tour and stuff. Um, obviously, can't go without giving a shout out to uh, your local club in England, uh, Bailden, been yeah. told before not to call it Basildon, which you've had a bit of a <laughs> predicament with before when when uh, someone accidentally typed in the wrong address and went to Basildon. Uh, <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite interesting. Um, I guess the first port of call would be to ask you, being a big tourer um, and being with your club currently, Valley RFC, it looks very interesting out there. I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But the first port of call would be to ask you, how quickly can you chop a pint? Uh, <laughs> now, we obviously asked you to bring a beer. It's a hack job. Uh, yeah, well, look, I always say to, to new lads for rugby is find a position in, the, in a club and make yourself the best at it. And that usually is a position that I'm best at. So, yeah, pretty really? cool. Really? <laughs> that is a big, big claim. Can you yeah. please prove it, possibly? Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, you'll have to give me a second. I'll get a glass and put this in. <laughs> I'm on a 330 mil here. So is that all right? Or does it, do we yeah, need a... yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's it's oh. 630 for you. So this is a nice sour beer as well. Let me see if I've got something a bit shit in my, in my face. <laughs> <laughs> it just opens up the logo. <laughs> <laughs> putting, putting it out of Valley RFC's logo. Lovely. So, so what is it that you're drinking? Uh, so this is Black Kite Brewery. It's a it's a local Hong Kong brewery, uh, and it's a uh, IPA, five point seven. Five point seven. That's quite strong. Uh, well, dr- drink and be merry, Tom. Go for it. Hey, here's to you guys. <laughs> Oh my Jeez. god. <laughs> <laughs> impressive stuff. Impressive stuff. Yeah. Fair play. It's it's that. that was, I think, yeah, bit bits though, probably. But <laughs> I could probably I mean, do a couple a, of things. A, a, rep, a reputation when I left Bailden uh, to go on my travels. So they, they brought me out. They, they heard from my uni that I was known for, for doing a bottle of wine with a straw. Um, oh, so I had torpedo. To do a yeah, yeah. Bottle of red wine with five sambukas, and I think we got it under a minute. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is horrendous. I bet the, next, <laughs> the next morning, I reckon, must have been a bit painful, unless you're an absolute superhuman and just power through. Well, there's only one way to go over a hangover, isn't there? So. <laughs> <laughs> Star again. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess let's jump into something a little bit more rugby, and we can, we can obviously come back to your touring uh, excursions later on. But um, actually, I'm going to start with an interesting fact. So you, you, you've played in China for three years um, in, for a club in Shanghai specifically. What was the club called, sorry? Uh, well, yeah, the name is, is quite interesting. It used to be Hairy Crabs, because that's what Shanghai apparently is famous for. Uh, and then there was a split. So there's two clubs in Shanghai and I play for or played for Shanghai Dragons or Shanghai Rugby Football Club. There's lots of like 
political name changing yeah. stuff, as you can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So actually, we, we, when we were doing a bit of research for the, for the episode, um, obviously rugby in China isn't something that you hear that much about. And, and it's quite, I think that's why we wanted to get you on in particular, because when you sent us your video, you said China. And we were like, wow, how interesting. And uh, so after doing a bit of research, we found out that China actually has the joint biggest rugby fan base in the world. 30 million people uh, follow rugby in China, and that's alongside the United States, which will be our, our next Rugby Around the World episode. Um, so something to look forward to, <laughs> to there. Um, but I guess what we really want to know is, is who plays rugby in China. So obviously... We know you do your English. Is it is it mainly expats? Is it are there big Chinese following in essence, or who who is it that plays? It's interesting. It's a mix, um, and and certainly the difference between Shanghai and Hong Kong is is Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere. So there's a lot more Northern Hemisphere in Shanghai and more Southern Hemisphere here. Um, but the it it's like um it's it's a setup which really dictates. Who you play with and how you play with um so we i don't know the ins and outs but i think there is like a, a local league for chinese players but that's geared more towards sevens and tens because that's what china is throwing money at because they want olympic success uh, and traditionally tens has been the biggest game in asia um and then we are um put into four conferences so your northeast south and west um so in our conference we had another shanghai team dolphins a uh, team about an hour away, which is our, our closest neighbour in Suzhou and, and I think Nanjing. And yeah, that's actually typical kind of expat uh, guys. So, you know, people from England, France, we had a couple of staffers in there. Uh, but it's cool as well because you get some some African lads coming over. So we've we've had a couple of guys from, from Zimbabwe um, and you get to see, we had a really good player from Croatia of all places um so you just you just get people kind of drifting in it's usually they come out with a job and then they kind of look for a way to keep fit uh we get a lot of we have we do have a lot of uh kind of asian players as well there's a japanese league but the japanese as they do across the world they prefer to kind of play in their own leagues rather than come into like an international setup which i guess makes sense because they speak japanese uh, and it's easier for them um and then, yeah, so we, we get a lot of kind of mixed race people who uh, kind of find their way in. And then uh, we get like new Asian uh, people. But the great thing about Shanghai, especially uh, when I was there over three years, was the growth of the ladies game. So in 2007, no, not that's, that's almost 10 years, more than 10 years ago, 2017, <laughs> um, we probably had a ladies team of maybe... Well, we struggled to get a, a 10 side together. So there was, but there was a wider squad, but to get a 10 side together was 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 not always uh, good. But by leaving, we were having like 20, 30 women up to training. We, we did mixed training and then, you know, split. Um, and a lot of that are kind of like local Shanghainese girls, but also, you know, expats. So it was a really good mix uh, in, in, in there. Um, but mainly Northern Hemisphere. And then here, here it's been a little bit difficult in Hong Kong because... With the Southern Hemisphere lads, they all have their own like culture and language and way of talking, and it's really hard to get on to get like in, in with. Well, what's that group's called? The Techerhood, and that's like oh, I think I know what Tekka is, but then some of the stuff they were saying in that group, I like, really had to learn like the language and, and stuff. Like <laughs> when the boys are calling it hey, oos, like is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. <laughs> almost so, as, almost as difficult as learning Chinese sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, I would go quite other... that far, <laughs> but yeah, nearly there. Yeah, for the for the people who are like Chinese players, how do they actually um get into rugby? Because obviously, like the expats, they probably like played in their country when they're growing up, or whatever, like yourself. But what about the Chinese pe people? Is it like big in schools, or is it just like they have a following? Like they just follow their like the professional sport and then just like decide to pick it up themselves. Like, how does it work? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, so there's two levels. So for the elite level, uh, usually what happens is, uh, I mean, obviously China's got a huge Olympics program. Um, and so kind of the rejects of all the other Olympic sports, but are on these kind of Olympic, um, I don't know, what do they call them in America where they, you know, they play 
like sport for money at the university. The scholarships, like they're on these Olympic scholarships mm -hmm. or sports scholarships, but they don't quite make the grade for their original sport, like maybe the more traditional Olympic sports. So they get put down into rugby and they'll oh, have a go at this. So one of our one of our favorite teams to play actually was a Shanghai University of Sport. And these guys are built, they're rapid, they're fit, <laughs> but they don't necessarily know how to play rugby. And we're fat, not fit, but we know how to throw a ball around. So we're made for a really good matchup. So we'd like destroy them at a set piece. But as soon as the ball, as the, the game broke apart, like they would just run through us. Mm. Um, so that's at your elite level. Um, and then again, it kind of goes into the Chinese culture. Like they have a, a really weird relationship with foreigners, especially in Shanghai, where kind of like hanging around with foreigners is kind of equally part like sophisticated and you want to be seen, but also like you don't want those guys like coming over to your country and and they're also like <laughs> thick on the streets and everything like that. So um, you get a lot of a lot of lads who kind of like you just meet out on a night out and they're just like the, the one thing I've learned about the local Chinese people who are great is how enthusiastic they are. And they're just like if they do something, they're just gonna throw themselves into it. So we get a load of lads just coming up, just loving the social atmosphere of it um you know enjoying going for beers and they just fear you know you know when you go to training for a new club for the first time and you play mm. like three times worse because you're second guessing yourself <laughs> yeah. are just throwing them like head first into a tackle and they've never been trained to change tackle before <laughs> uh so they're brilliant yeah um but a lot of it a lot of it is word of mouth so just going out uh you know with the boys and we're just trying you know recruit in nightclubs or oh, he looks a bit strong all right get him down to training what's, what's the actual like like cult, rugby culture like in comparison to like England for example over in like Shanghai uh it's great so um it, it, it's the, the great thing about rugby abroad um is that you can walk into any club and you know the type of people there so you've got like a ready-made family which in a place like Shanghai um where you, you're very much in a minority of people who kind of uh, speak like you, think like you, which is the reason why you go, but also it can be hard. So when you go to a rugby club and you've got that, it just gives that kind of base that you need. Um, and most people, when they're expats, they do that from work. But obviously, if you're a rugby lad, you don't really want to be going out on the night out with work and having everyone tell <laughs> stories the next week. So with a rugby club, it's a lot safer. Um, so, the, yeah, it is very close knit, very family uh, orientated and, and very much, uh, you know, we were a high achieving club, but it was always about supporting each other first and, and uh, you know, being with each other first. And then there's a wider culture as well. So we have like a uh, WeChat, which is like Chinese version of WhatsApp. We have a WeChat group for all the lads in all the teams who kind of want to get involved with a bit of banter. And you can imagine that's kind of loose and fast. Um, so when we come together for these big tours or we go to these tournaments, um, you, you just meeting mates that you just met on nights out and you just seen like the, 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 the same characters. So this one guy, Dermot, who uh, for some reason in, in, in Chinese rugby tournaments, they always have cheerleaders to like these lo local poor girls made to dance in front of like a hooligan crowd of expat rugby players <laughs> and there's a guy called Dermot who just like who, I think he brought his own pom-poms one point just goes in and starts strips off and starts dancing with them so you get to know like the faces and everything and and you get to see them like every couple of months um so the culture is amazing it's really really like uh, so vibrant it, and gone is it quite like you know like everyone involved in the rugby scene like in your area uh, well, the area is the whole of China. So, yeah, yeah. so like um, one of the lads that we look, looked like to look forward to uh, started playing in Shanghai. He's a really good player. Um, he's, he's one of the Islanders. And now he's in Chengdu, which is an eight-hour flight from Shanghai. <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy because on a Friday, right, we're, we're playing a semi-final against Chengdu. All right, so we're going to get him on Friday night, eight-hour flight over to Chengdu. Uh, we're going to play a game of rugby on a... A pitch which hasn't seen any action on it in three years picking up stones and stuff from the from the at the start of it and then we're going to go on a night with night out with a lash and, and because you're doing these distances the teams kind of stick together um so you know you do all the drinking challenges and everything and you eat together and then you you go out and you know you're catching up in in this kind of like place on the other side of the continent and then three months later you go to a place like shaman which is a big tens tournament 
and everybody from all over China is back in. So it's almost like it's kind of a uni feel, you know, like all of almost like a fraternity, like everyone just comes back and you're seeing the guys who you don't see every day. Uh, and it just, yeah, it just gets loose. <laughs> so do you guys play so do you guys play tens as well at your club so how what, what's like the ten scene like you said like it's massive in age obviously in the uk it's very rarely spoken about it's almost exclusively 15s or sevens so what is the ten scene is that like the same teams that play 15s also play tens or then they should just solely tens clubs and they're tens separate league or yeah, well, well, tens is great because it's just a little bit more accessible for maybe mm. the like they they tier the cities in China. So Shanghai would be like a tier one city, and this is what the Chinese Chinese government does to rate them. Uh, so if you're in like a tier three city, it can be quite hard to get like a full fifteen squad available. So usually, what happens is like in the in the start of the season, so August to Christmas, you have your fifteens competitions. Um, and that's a conference system I said uh, I talked about. And then from Jan, well, there's a break, a winter break, and then maybe from February, March, excuse me, <coughs> you you then get the tens tournaments going. And the tens tournaments, uh, and I was a bit like you guys. I was like, I'm here to play 15s. What's this tens bullshit about? <laughs> the tens because that's where all the teams come together. So you've got like 12 teams coming together uh, and you go like Beijing, Shaman is a big one, Shanghai, uh, there's a Guangdong tens and it's like almost like a circuit. Uh, it, it, Wuhan have a tens, played at Wuhan tens, <laughs> uh, I know that city now, uh, that'd be like a tier three city. Uh, Iwu is uh, the soft furnishings textile capital of the world, uh, uh, that has a tens <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're playing in these really odd places um but it's, it's great it's great because you just like get let loose uh with with you know eight nine ten different uh teams uh on a night out um and yeah it's just com competitions and uh, you know you, you play like four or five games during the day and then there won't be another tennis tournament for maybe another couple of weeks so you're doing some training and stuff like that and, and then you go there and, and then it all cul culminates at shaman so shaman is a, the big party tennis tournament that everybody loves uh, and because we're the most successful team in Shanghai we're also the most hated team in, in Shanghai <laughs> Manchester United <laughs> uh, that tends to be the way that it goes isn't it it's yeah, like it England, yeah. England are the most successful northern yeah. hemisphere side so everyone <laughs> England you know that's exactly it we're the England of yeah and the, the success. so we go to Sherman right and all the teams have been knocked out quite a few of them by us um, and there's probably about a thousand people watching you, like guys who've, who've been knocked out of the tournament by midday. It's now six or seven o'clock, the sun's going down, uh, maybe a thousand people pissed up, and they're all just chanting one thing, fuck Shanghai, fuck Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> and then we must lost feel, the final must two, feel pretty good if you win. Uh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, that's the only tournament I haven't won with the team, so we've lost, <laughs> got to the final twice in a year. So when the when the restrictions open up, the first thing I'll be go, doing is going to Shaman to try and get the win. That's the the only cup which has uh, eluded me in the three years that I was playing for for Shanghai. So it's, it's bitter, bitter. But can you can <laughs> you guys not there. can you guys not play at the moment? Because I thought I thought it was like really <laughs> COVID wise in Shanghai. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, I know you're in Hong Kong, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a little bit of a commute for me to go over there and play, but. <laughs> Things in Shanghai are, are almost, I mean, things pop up and then I think the city sh shuts down for a, a day or so, but it's pretty much back to normal. I don't know if the rugby started, but I think the, the guys are training and certainly during the time last year, what we just did is uh, like little ripper tag tournaments. The great thing about Shanghai is we have uh, two, maybe three-ish like sets of teams that we can get together. Uh, so even with our, our, our biggest rivals, who we uh, supposedly absolutely hate, and they absolutely hate us, uh, we 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 broke that ice, and you know we had had some little little uh, touch and pass tournaments going on, which uh, yeah was another great way to make friends in the city. To be honest, yeah, it just it sounds like one massive fun drinking community, basically. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, that's essentially, it's, it's just like a support system for rogues and rascals. And yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas at a club in England, you might have so many more people and because you don't have, I guess, that uh, like completely separate Chinese community who aren't 
that interest in the rugby surrounding you is so much easier just to stay in your club in England. Yeah. So it's almost it's almost sounds way nicer that everyone can just kind of have a beer after the game as yeah, as is. as a group of a thousand people and just go oh <laughs> like like speak to random people after the game. That's that's what sounds like the best aspect of it from what from what you've said just now. But everyone's in the same boat, so you know everyone's like really nice and friendly. There's there's very little ego in it, which is great. And and that's the thing with community rugby back home. Like when I play my home team i love getting pissed up with the boys but you're also kind of i'm playing for the same club that my dad played for his dad played for my brothers played for so if you get like if you, if you get a bit stupid those reputations kind of affect the people like you, you know you love around you as well but you don't have that in china if you're stupid you're, yeah. you know you just got yourself to worry about so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's uh the wheels come off a little bit <laughs> yeah um and i guess max and you actually told me to write this question down i think it's a really good question actually um because it actually refers a bit more deeply to the rugby rather than the the you know social aspect of it um and it's about coaching so obviously every team has a coach uh who who what's the coaching like who coaches um is it chinese is it is it an expat who what's the coaching scene like shanghai in China. yeah yeah <clears throat> Um, yeah, so that, that is our biggest problem. Uh, and we went uh, for about a year without a coach. And it was it was a tough time. And, and it's just about the lads, you know, taking on a bit of extra responsibility. We do get decent players in, uh, in, in, in China. So up in Beijing, there's uh, an ex-Gloucester number eight who came over on, a, on some kind of, you know, good work thing. So uh, it's great to play against a guy like that. Um, we've had in our team a guy who came up through uh, I can't remember which academy it was, but he came up through academy and and, and played and, and he was really a uh, good guy. Um, and then we've got some uh, some really good players who, who know what they're on about. Um, and then occasionally you can get some really good coaches. So we had like some South African uh, old really scary guy uh, when I first joined um, and he but he had to leave because of the commute he was like traveling two hours in just to get the training and then we had a big sign in where we managed to nab uh, a famous South African tens player as, as famous as South African tens players get <laughs> he, he'd captained the tens so we were really looking forward to him but that doesn't work out sometimes it doesn't um, but the, our best coach was actually just a well, he's not a local guy, but but somebody who was like part of the club, and he's not got. I don't think he's coached anywhere in particular, but he was just really good because he was he was like kind of rooted in the club, and everyone. His guy called Simon. Everyone's like, oh, hopefully we can get Simon back, but he's moved to Shenzhen now. Um, and and a lot of the smaller clubs is really just like uh, so. So the um, Changzhou Giants uh, are pretty much, as far as I'm aware, run by. A guy called Simon who works at a school who was just missing rugby. So, you know, he just started pestering people like, let's play rugby. And when the, the kids turned 18 and wanted to stay around, it got, got them. So you often get clubs where there's like a, a chairman or a or a, a player who's like an absolute like you know center of that that squad who who holds them together. Um so it's it's pretty it's pretty poachy, not in the way that like coach like teams poach coaches off each other but if you like you're always looking to see if like someone's arriving into the city or you know if someone's arriving especially like in a school so there's a lot of big international schools who will bring in uh, a coach who's got some kind of pedigree because it looks great with the parents and then it's like seeing if you can get them down um so yeah it, it, can, it can create a lot of instability it's the main problem you're always looking for a coach but at the end of the day if, if you know, if it comes down to lads to get things going, it comes down to lads to get things going. Yeah. No, I've, I've kind of had that before as well because I played some social rugby at uni and obviously you can't... Well, we didn't have a coach at all for the three years that I was there. So if it was almost like the captain had to coach. I mean, we didn't, well, didn't organise coaching sessions, but um, it was like on, on the day... You're kind of like right, everyone. High knees out to the twenty-two and back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, Ed, you, Ed, you were the captain. 
Oh uh, yeah, I was, you know, <laughs> captain. <laughs> put, put, put myself at fly half as well when I'm actually the worst <laughs> ten in the world. I never passed. The <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking about the UK and comparing it to China, hmm. what kind of standard would you compare Chinese rugby to in in the UK and also in Hong Kong where you are now playing for Valley, obviously? Um, what kind of standard are both of them in comparison? Okay, so so Bailden play in well, we we just got promoted to Yorkshire two, so we we kind of I think that's like tier eight of rugby. Yeah. Um, so for me, going to Bailden to to Germany was was uh, not much of a step up, really. And I mean, we were very bad when you say we played in Division One. We played one season in Division One, and then we got relegated by town <laughs> <laughs> we were more of a division two side oh um, you still played in division one so. yeah 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 uh and then we so step it so going to shanghai was a step up for me uh for sure um because and we played with some really really good players so uh my mate matt he represented china uh, and he was like the the uh, talisman of our team um but we just played uh we've got a really good islander probably the nicest guy in the universe called sam simona um play a really good standard of rugby uh and and the problem in shanghai is it's patchy so you might have like this center who could you know play maybe national and outside him is another center who's kind of like just been drafted in um and that's for us is like the one of the best teams. So, uh, like I said, like Beijing have this guy from who used to play for Gloucester, who's maybe forty but still packs a punch. Um, and there's some really good players. It gets a little bit worse, like as you as you get usually down the tier system. Um, so there there are teams that we can we can like run through. So the consistency is not there. Um, but I would say Shanghai at our peak would be playing uh premiership premier yeah would be <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe somewhere between like regional na- and not national but like we call it north is our league but you know that same yeah semi- yeah, yeah maybe yeah. there or top regional um and then i came to hong kong um and so uh to, to also trump my own is that Toot my own horn. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, not the only captain here. Um, so I, I was, <laughs> they gave me the captaincy of the second teams. So for me to break into the first team here is going to be a bigger step up for me going from Bailden to to Shanghai because here you've got to be super fit, and I'm 31 years old and I like my beer. Um, <laughs> but I have enough character or whatever to you know comfortably come into the second team and then to award me, a, you know, the honour of captaincy. Um, so here, I would say, like, in Hong Kong, I mean, we uh, the players I'm playing with here is insane. So we've got a number of, uh, we've got a guy called Sean uh, Bennett, I better get his last name right, uh, who <laughs> was, he played for a Welsh team, I think it was Scarlet, something like that, and then Northampton, and he was playing in European Cup, uh, we've got a couple of South African Premiership players, uh, one of whom, Martin Muller, was a, then picked for the Barbarians. Uh, so he, he went on tour with the Barbarians to Argentina. <laughs> quite, and he, he's a second row as well, so it's quite scary when he's telling me uh, that I know nothing in lineouts and then proving to me that I know nothing in lineouts. <laughs> about lineouts, but now I know I know nothing. Um, and then we've got like a couple of guys who... You know, we're playing in Meter Cup. Uh, there's a guy who played for the New Zealand on 20. So the standard here is like... Oh, my days. Sounds a lot, sounds really good, to be fair. Like, yeah. Comparing to but, Shanghai, it's a big step step up. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And then the second team is, is really funny because I, I, you can you know what the second team culture is always, right? Yeah. But also, it's with really good players. Um, so, again, like, our second team would probably beat Shanghai... Um, but I think it'd be a decent match. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just insane. And you come in like, you come in as a, I've been playing rugby since four years old and 31 year old now. I don't think, you know, old dog, don't think there's much I can learn. And then I come here and I'm like looking at all these boys around me going, yes, sir. Okay. sir." <laughs> and like, like forgetting how to pass. Cause I'm worried I'm going to do it wrong and stuff. 
so yeah, it's, it's just it's it's just mental. It's uh, for you know for a young lad from Yorkshire uh, coming and playing with these guys who've got all these honours behind them. It's great, and it's it's a high standard. So yeah. Just- does Hong Kong have its own like setup in itself compared uh, where like separate of China? Yeah. So yeah, Hong Hong Kong again, again there's different leagues bopping around Hong Kong, but the the one I guess with the kind of to take note of is uh, more of the the expat league. I think I don't know if there's a local league cuz I've been here long enough, but again I've seen Japanese guys doing their own little thing, but that's just very casual rugby. But the money is with the the so with with the Hong Kong Rugby Union, who then set up the clubs. So it kind of works top down here rather than bottom up like it does in England, I think. Um, and usually, what happens is the big event here is the Hong Kong Sevens, and that finances, uh, I think, pretty pretty much the season. So it's going to be interesting over the next few years what happens because the Hong Kong Sevens haven't been able to go ahead. Um, and then there's, uh, I think there's either six or eight teams. Um, so there's Hong Kong Football Club, which is uh, the big team with great grounds. And uh, someone once described it to me as the last bastion of colonialism. And it's, it really is. Like you go in there and there's like a library and wood paneled everything. And the, the changing rooms are amazing. It's like going into a high pain sauna or something. And then there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's others which are, the, which are traditionally the, the other big team who, who've, We've won the championship, uh, I think, the most. And then there's some teams which have been created top down. And then, then there's other teams which almost like London. So we have like a HK Scottish team. Uh, I think there's a team which came out of the police force, which I think now might be called Tigers, uh, Kowloon Bay, um, who, you know, and all, all these guys have these, these they're just pulling in with, with the money that, that's swirling around these like players who are leaving contracts uh, in England. Um, so I know a guy I used to go to school with, um, he was playing for Gloucester and he was kind of coming to the end of a career and he was, and he, you know, had that decision to make about what he's going to do. So he came out here on a money contract, uh, or I think with a job actually, and, and ended up coaching at uh, Kowloon. Um, so there's a bit of money going around to pull these players in, um, but also uh, there's, there's a good selection of players who, like me, who just kind of turn up in uh, at the twilight of their rugby career, <laughs> having to start at the bottom again and learn everything about rugby. Well, you know, you're not as old as Alan Wynne Jones yet, so there's true, got a few, few, few more years in you. Yeah, uh, yeah I and it's like, doing a little bit better as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting because Max and I have actually played in in Hong Kong. Um, we went on rugby tour when we were what 16, 15, 16, and we played. I can't remember who it was, but they were mostly we played Chinese. It, we played at Kowloon or I Hong think. Kong. Mm. Um, they have like some, a. F- they have like a pristine, 4G. pristine 4G pitch, yeah. um, which was very, very strange. I mean, we were playing second team and we completely ran over them. So I don't know what kind of attitude we came in here thinking the standard <laughs> was in Hong Kong. But um, no, we, we, I think we put about 40 points on them. I think they scored one. I think we played like their, their like age group team. I like was that there must be like an under 18s team. I don't know whether it's Kowloon. I think it might have been just like the Hong Kong team or something. I don't really know. Um, I think rugby is much more ingrained in like the city of Hong Kong. Like here you will have schools that local kids will go to and they will play rugby. So mm. as much as Shanghai is very mixed and that's you know one of the things that we love about it is how diverse it is. It is still like a, almost an expat enclave um, and, and it's traditionally yeah, like Northern Hemisphere players. But here, it, yeah, you, you've just got like every shade of person you can ever imagine playing. And I think there are more Asians, more mixed race Asian and uh, Caucasian people playing. Um, and yeah, it's just very, very diverse and huge amounts of, of yes, South African, New Zealand boys, a uh, couple of Aussies. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think is the main reason for why like New Zealand, uh, not New Zealand, sorry, Hong Kong and um, China and <laughs> are not our... Um, are not like at the top, like like with with such a big fan base. Like, why are they not pushing? Like, they've like there's countries like Japan, which are close by, like which have a much smaller fan base. But 
are doing much better. So the, why do you think like Hong Kong and China aren't up there, even though they're like obviously such a great sporting like nation in general? Yeah, well, well, Hong Kong are, are there and they've been building like they they I think qualified for the sevens uh, for a few years now, and then I think they were one match away from going to the World Cup. Yeah, they were there in the rep Um mm. So so that's that's a really bad time in about COVID because Hong Kong uh, are kind of not pressing the, the door. Yeah, door to get mm. through. China, it comes down to politics. Um, so they made a, I think one of the biggest deals in rugby to, in this, there was a money man who was willing to kind of like totally finance the whole Chinese program, especially with the tens and the sevens. Um, and then there was a falling out with the government. And then obviously that has repercussions in a place like China. Um, so, so that was a big setback for China, um, very similar to the German situation. You know, if you know about that, that you know there was a big guy there, and he fell out with the, the the German Union League, and that's why Germany, who were knocking on the door of the World Cup, weren't for eight years until um, this year. Um, so, so Hong Kong are there. China will be there in the next Olympics. Um, I don't think they'll be quite challenging Fiji or England or anything like that but I think that you you know I think the women have now qualified for the sevens series um and I think the men's won't be far behind but it is it, it's about rugby isn't it rugby to be good at rugby is, is not just being good at sport but there's a culture behind it that you have to understand and you have to know and you have to build and you can't just take a you know you can't do a cool runnings and just take a sprinter and put them <laughs> in the box so. um <laughs> So, so it's a slow build, um, and it's just a shame that Hong Kong have been doing that and investing their money really well, and then they're going to be set back by by not being able to have the sevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. To be fair, like I think if they if they keep building, then they'll they'll eventually get up, up there with the top teams. But yeah, no, it's, it sounds like with all the like expats, especially like it's like helping build that culture, which like bring it from other nations which is really good mm, do, do you think it reaches a point there where you have to stop like relying on expats to in order to reach that top level i don't know about i'm thinking more so about hong kong yeah kind of thing. because I, I don't know i'm talk, thinking more about hong kong because like i don't know whether like is there a lot of player players coming through the player pathways or is it very much so? Okay, let's look for the next ep- expat to be the star of Valley. Um, like, do you think the culture, if the culture is like that, do you think it needs to change for them to really like hit that top level and create sort of more of a rugby culture that's within Hong Kong, per se? Yeah, I think from the short time I've been here, I've I've picked up on those kind of elements, and I think that's what they were trying to move towards. Uh, like there are residency rules here to play for Hong Kong. I, mean, I think they're they're pretty loose, but um, you know you do have to do do it. So, out of our Hong Kong players, uh, I know one of our guys who plays for the national team. He he's he's from South Africa, but he's he's been here a while. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And the great thing, the great thing is that you know we do have a lot of Hong Kong born players. Even in the the Premiership, we have to have a certain amount of Hong Kong born or Hong Kong resident, I'm not quite sure what, how it works, which one it is, uh, play on field or in the squad, mm-hmm. um, which is quite funny because occasionally you get a team sheet just with like one banged in who's like a third or second team player. Um, but yeah, so there are there are rules for the premiership as well. So you can't just like splash the cash and bring in yeah, or loads of these, these players. Uh, so they're trying to protect it, but it's a hard, I guess it's a hard balancing act that where you're trying to, you know, get international success and recognize recognition or recognition, sorry, um, but on the same time kind of protect your home based players. The other thing about Hong Kong is that it's a very transitory city. So, you know, you've got people who grew up here going off to uni uh, in America or England, or Australia, and, and maybe not coming back. Um, so it's not like England where you can have that kind of more static player pathway and get the guys through the academy. Um, so there's definitely challenges for, for the for the union. 
Mm. Yeah, I think that was a really good in-depth just chat about Chinese and Hong Kong rugby, to be honest. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, that kind of sums up. One final question. Everything about about um, about Chinese and Hong Kong rugby. But um, now we want to wrong and offended anybody. No, <laughs> I'm sure you haven't. No, you've been really. Only been here a couple of months. So. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds like you know there is there is a, a rugby culture, although some people might not see it ever you go china and rugby they just don't quite seem to match in people's heads you know when when we heard about it we were like crikey what what (laughs) um but no here we are talking about it so thank you so much for that i guess before we go uh we want to talk a bit about your experiences of of touring and any stories you might have um from (laughs) from that aspect of it obviously We've, we've spoken about the social side. So are there any stories you could possibly share with us without <laughs> going into too much? Uh, you know, this is a loaded question. Is there anything you have in mind? Or I know you boys have been doing your research. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You tell us. You tell us. What's, um, we'll, start, we'll start off with what's your what's the like your best like rugby moment like with like any of the clubs that you've been touring with? Uh, yeah, so for my, the one, or well, two, uh, I've got an emotional, emotional one, um, where my dad passed away, um, and so I went home for the funeral, uh, and everything and, and played a cup game with my home team who hadn't played for, for, for three, four years, uh, and managed to get the last try in like the, the, the 79th minute. Uh, and then when my first game for Shanghai back scored in the exactly same way, in the exact same like area of the pitch um in the in the, almost the same minute so that was uh quite emotional um but the yeah so so with shanghai our big tournament that we we revolve around is the hong kong tens um and uh the hong kong tens goes the same weekend as the hong kong sevens uh it's obviously not as big as you know the international hong kong sevens that everyone knows about but it's really they they, they promote themselves as the world's best tens tournament and you get some stellar players going there. So it's amazing. Um, and we, for some reason, we have a relationship. I think it's like the, the Hong Kong Union want to be seeing, to be doing like grassroots stuff with the mainland. So they, as like the best team in the mainland, they bring us over and we get smashed like 60, 70 nil in a 10 minute match <laughs> by these professional players who haven't picked up an international contract. Um, so Hong Kong Football Club, uh, and, and that's how good this tournament is. So Hong Kong Football Club, who's one of the best premiership players in Hong Kong, they're usually in the, the bottom half of the pack at Hong Kong 10s uh, against these touring teams. So the standard is, that's probably the highest standard of rugby I'll ever play. Um, and, but they brought in Alessano Tuolagi, you know, the big... Oh, my days. Yeah, the, the big winger. He would play for Leicester, I think. Yeah. It was, it was some kind of truck or something that they called him, or destroyer. um so yeah got the ball uh mid pitch and uh looked up and you know what the two alagis do you've seen them and they they line someone up don't they and they kind of cock the shoulder uh, (laughs) and bring it through yeah i saw this shoulder cock and um i didn't do anything but i'm going to claim i did a lot he must have missed because he went for me and he kind of glanced off me I pushed through him and, you know, made 10 yards. So the fact that I was, you know, being able to play against Alessandro Tulagi and break his tackle. You bounced Alessandro Tulagi. You bounced him. You absolutely destroyed him. him. Yeah, I can send you the Instagram footage, you know. it's. (laughs) Uh, There's a a video. There's a video, yeah. yeah. I can play it on my phone now. I don't know if that will will do. Send Um, it over and we'll edit it in at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. (laughs) It's great because the commentator as well is saying, that's Tommy Peel, big ball carrier for Shanghai. So, <laughs> <laughs> I obviously went back to work, right? And I show like, yeah, do you know who Alessandro Tualagi? You heard of the Tualagis, right? These guys work. I was like, watch this. And so <laughs> there's one mate in particular who I worked with. Every time he saw me in the corridor, he's like, that's Tommy Peel, big ball carrier. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, I can't talk about it. I nearly retired after that one. Even though we lost like 30, 40 nil. Uh, it came off that picture with a beaming wife's wide smile. <laughs> um, and yeah, on your YouTube channel, obviously, I've watched a little bit of, of uh, 
your touring escapades. Um, and one of them was titled about something that you ate on, on the tour. I ate. Yeah, donkey, Pat, I think it was. You, you ate donkey. donkey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about the. I was thinking you were going to go to when we went to Qingdao and I got arrested. But yeah, no. The, <laughs> I, I don't think I saw that bit. Tell us that. That sounds way better. Yeah, tell us that. <laughs> right, well, I can highly recommend Donkey, and a Donkey Burger is uh, everything that that everything that is not that you think about. It's very lean, very gamey, very nice. So if you get a chance to have Donkey, have it some. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Qingdao. So, so Qingdao <laughs> is the first tournament. It's a it's a fives tournament on the beach, and Qingdao was uh, the German kind of enclave back in the colonial times. So, it's a big beer town. It's where they make Qingdao, Qingdao, which is the 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 German the Chinese beer. Um, it was great, great weekend. You go up there, play fives, the girls tournament going as, uh, at the same time, um, and so we've been going there a few years. Um, and then, so me and my friend landed and we were getting a late Friday night flight and most of the boys had taken Friday off and gone early and got pissed up and we're now in a club. So we're like, should we go to the, the Airbnb? And thought, now nah, we'll just go straight to the club. Uh, this is a long story, by the way. So if you want me to do the short one, I can. Um, go, 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 go. Make it as long as possible. Yeah. <laughs> All the details. <laughs> so, I mean, Really, I shouldn't be. I should just market this by saying, "Go see the YouTube channel, right?" Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> so we get to the club, and uh, there's this this guy with like small man syndrome, crisp white shirt, kind of necklace kind of thing. You know, probably some very expensive wax in his hair. He was mouthing off at the DJ. He was clearly not happy. And and this is like a so there's a bar on the top, and then there's a basement, and so there's probably like. 25 30 western or expat guys and like a handful of uh chinese locals and and you know this is the kind of night out we always have and it's great because we love uh chinese locals uh they're great to party with they love beer they're really friendly really good people but there's this one guy who was clearly just being a bit of a dick in this like very dingy club he was with the girl um and one of my friends is uh probably the world's only rugby slash swing dancer and his swing dancing is pretty pretty good and he's known for you know picking a few girls up even he's married but you know but <laughs> and swinging them around the dance floor and you know this brings more girls for the lads and you know it's, it's open days then um <laughs> he gets the 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 worst his swing dancing and his balance gets so he was dancing with this girl he was flying around meanwhile this guy was looking very jealous and and getting very angry and then he keeps bumping into him with his girl and and then things kick off so this guy looks we're, this guy looks around and sees like i guess to him 30 very big very similar looking people and decides not just to lamp our mate but to sucker punch him in the back of the head in the middle of the circle of white guys dancing around him. Um, so a fight happens. He's got like two mates. Um, the rugby guys grab it, grab him. Um, and then kind of like, pin him, get, pin him. And then you're just there. Absolutely. <laughs> but I just wanted to restrain him. Right. So holding him to the floor. Meanwhile, uh, one of my other mates, who's he's a six foot four guy, he's getting, trying to hold his mates back. My other mate, who's also a tall guy, gets put another sucker punch to the back of his head from who knows where. Um, and then the, the bounce- flying everywhere. It was probably one of your blokes fighting, <laughs> fighting him. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> well, well, while you've got the guy literally on the yeah, rim club that. floor, like, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was a predicament as well because I'm holding this guy and he's fighting his hardest to get up. So I give him a little, you know, you're welcome across the face and. Uh, <laughs> um, and then he uh, and then the bouncers come and this was the funniest thing is like the, these bouncers were about five foot five five foot six and there was about six of them and there was like trying to break up a fight between like 26 foot tall guys um, so they grab me and him they, they start taking him away uh, I've worked in bars all my life so I know like if, if as soon as the bouncer comes like stand up put your hand behind your back act like nothing's happening uh and, and don't like keep on go trying to go to the fight because it's only going to go one way so I'm like, oh sorry guys yeah no i was just holding him you know doing all that trying to be nice to them and they try and take me away and then suddenly like 30 rugby lads say no you're not taking him 
and like the bounces <laughs> came back off. I was like, that's the first time I've ever seen bounces back off. I said, and that's going to only going to end up one way as well. So I said, no, I'll, I'll come with you. And and the, the the manager of the bar was there. He's like, can you guys just shake hands? Like, yeah, happy to do that. So we we go into the foyer and we shake hands, and this guy just kicks off again and this like starts trying to get at me, um, and. I, I, I turned to the bar guy and I was like, look, this, this is the kind of guy he is. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm happy to leave. Happy to take the boys. Um, I'm sorry for the disturbance. He's like, no, no, come in. Uh, I understand what you're doing. He gives me six free Corona. I'm thinking, <laughs> happy days. Free uh, coronavirus. job in this place. So <laughs> we, we, we share the Coronas, smash a few Coronas down. Uh, everyone's <laughs> kind of forgotten about it. <laughs> 20 minutes goes by, and then our scrum, it would be our scrum half, our smallest guy comes in, his face is looking ashen, and he's, and he's going, guys, we need to go. Like, what do you mean we're going to need to go? We're going to have to fight our way out of here. So, like, images <laughs> of, like, gangs of Chinese, like, triads are going through our brain. But this guy's got a friend in the police. Uh, so he's gone out, he's got kicked out, and he's rang his mate in the police, and the police are outside now. And, and when the Chinese police arrive, uh, they really arrive. So we're not talking like one car, we're talking van, five, six cars, maybe 20, 30 people there. You, know, you can imagine the story that's been told, told to them, like there's a riot going on or something. Hmm. Um, so the only sober person at, the, at this point is my girlfriend, uh, who hasn't had a, who doesn't drink. Um, so she's like trying to corral 30 pissed up, very obvious. <laughs> Uh, potential criminals out and if we stuck to her plan it'd have all got, gone fine but you can imagine what happens so we go out it becomes a bit chaotic and the guy's just standing there and he's literally pointing at the biggest people in our team um, and obviously my girlfriend's got like hold of me like if there's one person she's not going to let go to the police it's, it's me and then she says stay there uh, and she goes to get somebody else and we're safe and free at this point and I turn around and I see my friend who got sucker punched uh, getting put into a police car. And I think uh, it's probably the only honorable thought I've ever had in my, my life. And probably the wrong time for it. But I thought if he's going to go, you know, down to the police station, I've actually had a crack at this guy. So, you know, I, I better be with him uh, and, and get myself into trouble. So I walk back and literally as soon as I turn around, the guy clocks me and goes, him, him, get him. <laughs> Whatever the Chinese for him is. Um, so, the, so we're in the car, we're looking around. So they've got four of us. It's the four biggest guys in our team. <laughs> tall, tall guys, they're the criminals. And they take us to the police station. And, and to be fair, at this point, we're not arrested or anything. We're just detained. I start trying to film this in the back of the cop car, which is a mistake and you know, get very quickly get told off. And uh, we're thinking, like, oh, we're going to be sent off to, like, the gulag somewhere. And, we're <laughs> and, everything. Yeah. Um, and we get to the police station, and, and they treat us very well. They just say, like, don't talk, and they're very strict about them not talking. But we're not, like, locked up or anything. We're just like, kind of in the office with the guy uh, who's also sat down in the office. So they take him to um, uh, the interview room, and they interview him. And that takes about an hour. And you can imagine the dry mouth you have being in a Chinese <laughs> foreign police office at the end of like eight, nine pints of beer. Uh, so the only thing we're allowed to do is ask for water. And then my mate, who's a bit, he's like the team dick, right? And he's huge. He's a huge Canadian guy, six foot four, very wide and muscly. And he's just staring at this guy through the door like this, not blinking, just staring. <laughs> um, and then they come out. And my friend who speaks Chinese is like, okay, you're going to interview us. What's, what's the crack? And the policeman goes, well, no, why would I interview you? And we were like, well, they need our side of the story. He's like, well, no, that guy's told me everything that's happened. He's like, well, yeah, but he's going to tell you, no, no, we don't need to interview you. And he's like, all right, well, we still feel pretty confident at this point because we're like, the CCTV will show that he hit first. So like, well, can you get the CCTV? Are you going to watch that? Are you going to review? No, we don't need to watch the CCTV. There's no CCTV. So like, well, there were cameras in the club, the CCTV. Turns out this guy's a friend of the bar manager as well. So we quickly realized, like, fuck, they're the opposite. <laughs> um, and, and the thing in China is that the culture there is um, the police, almost their first act is to make a settlement between the aggrieved parties. And then if they can't reach that, that's when they'll prosecute the law. Um, so he, the policeman comes to us and he, he just starts shaking us down. He says, look, 
you guys have attacked this guy. He needs to be paid for his medical bills. He's a victim. You guys are the perpetrators. If you don't um, give him what he's asking for, um, we're going to class this as, as, gang, as a gang beating. Because if you uh, more than two people beating up someone else in China, uh, that's gang beating. And China's got very strict laws against gangs because, you know, they cleaned up the whole thing after the communists took power and everything. Um, so that, that carries that prison sentence, even just for like just being in a bar fight. Um, so we were like, shit, uh, what do we do? And then um, at, the mo at, at that time, my girlfriend has managed to argue her way into police. She, she's uh, Taiwanese. So for as far as I, they know, she's, she you know, looks Chinese, speaks Chinese. So they start, start taking her a little bit seriously and realize that maybe uh, they just treat her differently, as you can imagine. Um, so she, the, the guy is saying that it, for us to get out of the police station, or, and as, as an example of what it's like, he says, if you don't comply, we're also going to do you for not having your uh, ID on you. And we haven't been searched, we haven't been looked at, any, at anything or anything like that. Um, and me and my friend Derek, the big guy, we've just come straight off the plane, right? So we've got our passports. So we just got our passports out and like, what, ID like this? <laughs> and we <were> like, But anyway, my girlfriend turned up. And so, so we were looking at, I think, uh, 200 quid each. Uh, this guy wanted from us um, and she was in the and she was she was in the 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 room with him for uh, maybe 40 minutes and that's when I started feeling sorry for the guy uh, because I know I've been in a room with my girlfriend when she's angry for 40 minutes and that'd be worse than 15 years in the Chinese prison. <laughs> <laughs> so so, she, so it came out with that that we had to together pay him a hundred quid uh, and apologized to him on the way out. So I thought, happy days. I've had a great night out. I've had a crack at the guy. Well, it's not quid. over. Oh it's my really, gosh. Well, it's, it's pretty much over. <laughs> I, I thought that was the end. And then there's all another bit. <laughs> well, you're, ruining, you're ruining the punchline now. But I did tell you this is a long story. But yeah, so I thought, yeah, that's fair enough for me. And then I turned to my mate, who remembers just in there because he's tall. And he's, he's, he's been punched in the back of the head. That was his whole, whole involvement in the fight and then got put in police car because he's a tall lad. So he's having to pay 25 quid and apologize for the privilege of being smacked in the back of the head. <laughs> so we one by one apologized to this guy and we're very British about it. You know, we'd hold his hand like, I am so sorry. <laughs> I really hope you're okay. Just being as sarcastic as you could. Um, but then to pay him the money, uh, this is the last bit, to pay him the money, uh, my girlfriend um, has had to like get his Alipay details. And Alipay is like, almost like Apple Pay. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't quite understand it, but she's told me that if you do like, complain or if you send them like dodgy messages or something on Alipay, it then um, d uh, disables their account. So every month, few months or something, she does this thing which disables his account. So although he got a, a hundred quid from me, he's never been able to access his money. <laughs> so you, you got the last laugh. Yeah, yeah, we got the last laugh. And if you want to see it in full colour, it's on Don't Tell Tiffany, which is yeah. her name. That's why you don't tell her things. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm definitely going to watch after, after that incredible story. Wow. Yeah. Um, I can't say I've ever been involved in a situation as as uh, crazy as that in, <laughs> in England, that, let alone in China. If you're in China and there's a fight, leave. Is is the <laughs> yeah. if you're not involved? Just get out of there. <laughs> but I think that's a good life lesson for anywhere in the world, really. Probably, probably no. I'm probably a bit small to fight, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm... Well, to be fair, I was only the second person I've ever punched. So I'm not a fighter myself. Um, <laughs> Who was the first? Oh, well, that's another long story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on, Tom. It's been really, really interesting and seriously enlightening to uh, chat to you about something that, honestly, we didn't really know much, if anything, about. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. And um, I very much enjoyed it. Thank you.
yeah we'll we'll let you get on with your evening it's obviously must be about 7 30 in hong kong now so uh probably nearly dinner time yeah i'm creating a very angry girlfriend as we speak because <laughs> all right well we'll let you go thank you so much mate and um yeah stay in touch all right thank you very much guys thank you so much for watching or listening to today's episode of much do about rugby uh had some great stories there learn a bit about chinese and hong kong rugby as well really good stuff uh, so if you enjoyed, make sure to like and subscribe. really helps us out. Um, next week, we should be having a pro player. So fingers crossed on that and see you then. Right.